Welcome to the Bishop and Vickers. I'm Bishop Tom Bailey, the Bishop of the Diocese of Spokane, Washington. And joining me on this today's show are three vicars, Father Brian Mee, the vicar of finance, who is also pastor of St. Augustine's Parish. Still. Still. Very good. Father Darren Connell, who is Vicar General and the Rector of Our Lady of Lord Cathedral, the Mother Church of the Diocese, and Father Pat Kirst. Everybody loves Pat. Father Kirst is the <laughs> Vicar for Priests. He's also Pastor St. Thomas More and St. Patrick's Parish. We're continuing our discussion as we are in the season of Advent, and earlier in our earlier episode, we spoke of the theological uh, foundations of this this great season of four weeks, the role that John the Baptist played, our, our role of our Blessed Mother, a time of hope, a time of longing, the music that characterizes this season, I hope in all of our parishes, you've been listening to our Come O Come Emmanuel. Before we began the, uh, there they go, Father Me and... Very good. And remember that Father Curse plays the accordion, so normally he brought it, but it's a little hard. It was detained by Homeland Security. There's no room in here. No room, yes. We're actually a small studio here in the basement of Mother Osaro's parish. But um, <laughs> Father Connell, you want to speak about growing up in the Connell household with Sparky, that Springer Spaniel? Oh, I loved Sparky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we put this little purple bow on his... <laughs> on his yeah. Okay. He was attacked by, attacked by a wolf, right, wasn't he? He was, uh, yeah. he was okay. killed by a wolf. He was mauled. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But let's just Thanks stay for focused. picking that scab. Yeah. Um, no, the, the one thing I that, that uh, not so much maybe when I was uh, a kid, but uh, when I was uh, first ordained a priest twenty five plus years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Let yourself go. Uh, I sure did. Um, thanks for that. Uh, no, uh, you know, we work on Christmas. Uh, and so w- my family had to make an adjustment. Um if they wanted to see me on Christmas, and some of them did. And so we began a tradition whereby uh, we would celebrate Christmas, exchange gifts, have dinner, listen to Burl Ives and Bing Crosby, have sing-alongs and everything. We, we wouldn't do it until, you know, we would do it sometime during the, 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 the octave of, of Christmas. So sometime during the eight days following December 25th, usually the Saturday that followed, we would get this together at someone's house, open gifts and have Christmas, uh, which is perfectly appropriate because that is obviously still the season of Christmas. Um, And one of the nice things about that is it helped really all of us to simplify these weeks leading up to Christmas. There wasn't the rush to get everything done. Uh, The practice beforehand was by the end of Christmas Day on December 25th, you know, everyone in the family was like, thank God that's over with. Let's take the tree down, vacuum it up. And But this way, it, it really, it's it's far more relaxing. And when we do get together on that Saturday afterward, it's much more peaceful and much more focused on, on family and our, our faith in, in Christ. And there's a practical element, too, because on the 26th of December, everything goes on sale. So we did all oh, our shopping uh, during the octave and saved a lot of money. Hey, your and, reputation, your family, I, your sister Cammy said you're great for recycling Christmas gifts. Uh, that's including the sweaters of dead uncles. Is that well, true? Well, they weren't quite dead when they were taken, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure they would have wanted me to have it. No, yeah. uh, no, my, my sister sometimes uh, exaggerates as she is wont to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that, that's very good. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> how many in our I hope in the listening audience uh, the importance of a Advent wreath in, in the home? I know growing up in in a real city, uh, San Francisco, that we had um, <laughs> we had wreaths uh, made by the helpers of the Holy Souls. Now, uh, Father, me, are you familiar with that order? They changed the domestic the staff in your house. No, no, no. We, wow. We very, Must be not nice. as far as you know. But this the Society of Helpers. The helpers of the Holy Souls were actually a group of sisters, religious women, who did. Cat- 
catechetical work. And one of the things they did as a fundraiser is to make wreaths, uh, Advent uh, wreaths for the families. And I remember going uh, to the convent and we'd buy the wreath and we'd bring it home and we'd have our candles. And um, we'd also have the Advent calendar. Now, I know uh, that uh, Father Kursk, coming from his background, your Advent calendar was always with German chocolate, uh, very significant. Our wreaths, the Advent calendar, you just opened up and there was a nice picture, uh, something religious. But I know that some people, our executive producer, um, Hillary Hammett, has talked about it, it, with her children in the season of Advent, she would make ornaments that would be placed on the tree with uh, scripture passages. But maybe some of um, the Advent wreath, the uh, Advent calendar, uh, was there anything, uh, if Father Me, did you have a Jesse tree in the Me household up there in Sacred Heart Parish? No, I do not. Did you have an uh, no one did. We didn't have any of those of those things. But I do remember uh, in grade school, one of the, one of the things each year we had to do if you were going to a Catholic grade school, you'd be selling Holy Childhood Christmas seals. I remember that. And you'd go around, and of course there'd be contests. And if you sold enough, here you'd get this little plastic uh, blessed statue mother, of Mary. That's right. Yes, with those, yeah. to, to the doors that open. So I always, I, for some reason, I always connect that with the Advent season, and people were kind enough to. To, um, not slam the door in my face at that time. You use it as a chance to also sell encyclopedias. <laughs> <laughs> yes. well, remember, this was the early 60s. And, and knives. And, and world's finest chocolates. Yes. Cut Father Connell sold cut vacuum cleaners. Uh, when the he bags. Was, just uh, the bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, easy, extra. Jerry. <laughs> the hardware was too heavy. <laughs> I made my sister carry that. <laughs> All right. Let's stay focused back on uh, Sacred Heart Parish and the... Uh, this. I remember selling the, East, uh, the Christmas uh, little child. Yeah. Holy child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was, but uh, other, well, other, other things, I think like most families, we had the uh, Advent wreath. Um, we'd light a candle each week. But every night we'd sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So I'd like to sing that now if I could, Bishop. Oh, no. Oh, uh, come, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Now, Amen. do you want me to do all the verses? <laughs> no, no. We, anyway, so that, I, yes. I guess that was the most common. Um, mm -hmm. And we didn't put up, uh, of course, we had... A manger scene and all of that, but that came much later. So I, th I think even our Christmas tree, at that point, it still was. Um, you have to remember, I grew up in the fifties and the sixties. I grew up at a very young age, actually. You yes, <laughs> it was a kind and, of gentler and, America. But I don't think we put up a Christmas tree till Maybe. around the twenty-third or so. So, can you talk about uh, for our I listening can. audience, for those who are remaining in our listening audience, a <laughs> little bit about the symbolism of the Advent wreath, the, the wreath itself, and well, the first of all, it's and the color, a, and it comes from pagan roots, as much because, as, because as many so, things do. But we baptize, the, we baptize it. Yes, the evergreen. <sighs> The evergreen. Yes, it yeah. is. Well, I mean, the name right. Brian is, is is pagan. I believe we baptized Brian that. Brian means tree he trunk. Was a king of Munster in all of Ireland. Mm -hmm. Died the, at massacred. the Battle of Clontarf. Was that with the Billy Baru, who was One a golfer from? Um, he abandoned his post. He did. It was Caddyshack. <laughs> anyway, back, <laughs> <to the, laughs> back to the back to the wreath. Symbolism of the wreath. Well, all right. So you have four four candles, the three candles. For the four apostles, or uh, no, no. Oh. For the four weeks, four so three that are purple, one that is, or three that are, are violet, one that is rose, and of course the rose one is actually the third week because of which Sunday? 
joy. Rejoice, rejoice. This show's really bottomed out. Okay, let him finish with the candles. Yeah. But what about the significance of the fact that it's green? It's the sense of hope, that notion of evergreen. And that's the problem we buy artificial reeds or we have uh, artificial trees. We cut somehow and we, we spritz them with that pine-smelling uh, Febreze, which yes. is wrong. Yes, but so this is not a commercial for Febreze. No, right, sorry. <laughs> no but th- they're green. Bishop, I think what you're getting at, yeah. or you're prodding us to say, is that even in the dead of winter, with all the destruction around mm-hmm. us, the, the conifers remain rich and green, and that's why we use them in the wreath to symbolize eternal life, everlasting life oh, with our Lord is in that heaven. what you wanted? <laughs> that's yes. what he wanted. That's why, <laughs> that's that's why, that's why he just wrote it on a piece of paper I, and held I, it I, up held for it us. There. No one was getting it. No, that's Father Connell's the vicar general because of that. But um, it is significant that we keep these traditions. The, the notion I know that sometimes when people, just before we go to for a break, the seemingly lack of the religious uh, um, presence in, in the days of, of Advent, but also as we move more and more to a secular Christmas, that some of those inflatable um, things that are on the lawns are not really about Jesus and Mary and nativity, but but Snoopy uh, on a train or whatever it is. Not to take from that, but uh, mm, you could seems, take from that. And Frosty the Snowman. And Frosty the Snowman. Well, we've always liked Frosty. Yeah. A um, little bit of trivia before we take the break, Father. Me, where did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? What department store chain that you worked in the stock boy for in the late fifties? What what department store was that mm. that that had Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Wow. I think it was Macy's. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Lord and Taylor. Marcus uh, Whitman. Marcus Neiman. No, Neiman. no, no. Really. This is Spokane. Remember, it was Montgomery, Montgomery Ward. Ward. Montgomery We're going to take Ward. a break, and when we come back, we're continuing this time of so Advent close. and of, of prayer. Welcome back to the Bishop and Vickers. We're talking about the season of Advent, and before the, the commercial break, we're, we're speaking about in our parishes the and homes, the Advent wreath, its origin, the four candles, the colors seen in the vestments that are, are worn in our parishes, the great symbolism and the ritual and the uh, what appeals to the visual as a way to enter into the season when so often it is a hectic time with preparation for Christmas. Another tradition was the Jesse tree. Now, we didn't celebrate that in my home, but the Jesse tree was a way to connect uh, the Old Testament to the Advent season. Jesse was the father of King David, and typically the Jesse tree is adorned with um, ornaments that represent the people and the prophecies and the events leading up to the birth of Jesus. And in that connecting of the Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament, with the Advent season, it's the fidelity of God across 4,000 years of history, what we call salvation history. Another event we had mentioned or another practice is the um, Advent candle or the, the Advent calendar. And in my home growing up, and I know with the, the vicars as, as Catholic families, we had Advent uh, calendars, which had pictures, uh, holy pictures. It was typically a scene of the the, the manger with um, Jesus. But now you have Advent calendars in stores that have uh, chocolates behind them, and there's various uh, elves and, and other Christmassy type things. But again, the symbolism is to assist us in a time when there is so much that can be distracting. As far as your parishes or the people you've come to know, your parishioners, 
how have you found in their lives you were able to assist or how they have helped us in keeping, uh, because as priests, we have all the liturgical uh, responsibilities and how do we keep a focus on what it is about so we enter into it. Because every season in preparation for a great feast should be seen as an opportunity for a retreat. This is four weeks of retreat. And, and how is that done? Well, I think it's an opportunity for for special sorts of prayer that are unique to the season of Advent that that flow from the particular emphasis we place upon uh, God and our image of God in, in Advent as the God of of dreams and the God of fulfilling hopes and then the the God of of presence with us. So uh, when we say Maranatha, we're saying Come, Lord Jesus, and and we believe that uh, He is always with us even as we wait for His coming in glory. So and and we who are the prayers that always shapes how we pray uh, along with our image of God. And in this, these days of Advent where people who are bombarded with, with other messages from the, the world around us to enter into the commercialism of the season and, and that, that threat to drive us off, off the, the rails for uh probably mixing metaphors, but to get us off track in terms of what our Advent season is really all about and what we truly are preparing for. And so the, the prayer of Advent, calls us forth to uh, reconnect with who we truly are as we pray to God as people who recognize our dependence on God, that we know that God alone can save us, and that in the midst of the, the struggles of our life, that we we turn to God as the one who can bring us comfort, bring us bring us rescue from that. And, and so the prayers gathered around Advent wreath uh, that a family might offer or uh, taking the devotional booklets that might be available in a parish or a bookstore that have a little reflection from a scripture passage for each day and perhaps a question to reflect upon uh, and wonderful ways a family can can grasp onto the season and, and in the midst of the, the turmoil of the days to truly stay focused on on Christ and, and are preparing for his coming. One of the, uh, Father, you get to you in a second, one of the... Avenues of, of a deeper appreciation of the season of Advent. I remember talking to a woman in a parish. She said she liked to take the prefaces from Advent and use that, those as a way to you know, reflect upon what it is because they can be very uh, deep in their meaning, but also uh, speaking of that longing that is so characteristic. So the prefaces that come before the Eucharistic prayer, you'll see those in the missalettes in your parishes in addition to those uh, devotional books that are published by LaGuardian and Magnificat and uh, some of the other Catholic publishing houses in the United States. Father me, you were going to give some insight into one of the practices in either St. Augustine's or the previous parishes, both in uh, Cambodia or here in the States? <laughs> no, what I was actually thinking about um, was Charles Dickens. You know, we connect so often with Christmas, and he used to write a Christmas story. Of course, the Christmas Carol is his most famous. I think he wound up writing three different ones, uh, so he did it three different Christmases. But in... Excuse me. In that, one of the things uh, that has come up is well, how do we maintain or or live the Advent season when at the same time we're dealing in a society that's becoming so commercialized and everything mm -hmm. uh, tends towards those large trends? We all go out on Black Friday and we all go to big stores and we all get the big same big things. And um, in a way, his story, the Christmas Carol, 
it begins that way. It's telling about Scrooge, of course, and Scrooge, it begins with him counting his money and uh, about business, but it's a story of his conversion and the way his conversion comes about is by him reconnecting, of course, with those traditions, and that's what we're talking about here, uh, his, you know, weren't Catholic traditions, but basically uh, recalling his first love, uh, recalling his own family, recalling uh, the things that he kind of became separated from. And then uh, in that Christmas Eve, how he has his conversion back to those things. So getting away from the commercial, getting back to his roots, one could say. Uh, in a way, it tells a story. Uh, Charles Dickens is indicating what all of society needs to do, but we could certainly put it in a Catholic focus in saying that uh, one of the ways that we protect ourselves or that we bring about a conversion in our own lives so that we don't get swamped with the commercialism of the world we live in is reconnecting with some of these Advent traditions, but I think most particularly uh, celebrating that Advent in the family. So one of the things you asked about St. Augustine uh, Parish, one of the things we're looking at is, of course, in Advent, uh, we prepare, as we said, Advent means the coming of the coming of Christ. Uh, we prepare to welcome Christ, but how do we prepare to welcome Christ is by how we welcome one another, first of all, in our own parishes, you know, um, introducing yourself to someone you haven't met before, reconnecting with an old parishioner you haven't spoken to for a while. So reconnecting uh, at the parish level, but more significantly, perhaps, or as significantly, in the family, reconnecting with family members, or maybe someone, uh, a shut-in in your neighborhood. So actually uh, living out or preparing for welcoming Christ by being welcoming and uh, bringing others mm. around us into I our guess lives. I'm uh, wondering why you are so taken by the conversion of a money, money counter. What is well, it about your I'm, I'm looking towards my and, own conversion. You know, see. Matthew as well has his story. Well, our listening audience is probably not aware <laughs> that the Vickers participate in their a three-man uh, musical version of a Christmas story or Christmas terror. <laughs> and I know that you that play be a surprise. Scrooge, and uh, you're the ghost of Christmas past, Father Carl, okay. correct? Great, yeah. yeah. And, and that was t the Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim, yeah. Tiny yeah. Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, be that, I'll be that one. Yeah, but that's, that's for another show. Um, <laughs> Father Carl, any kind of reflections of the cathedral as, well, as far I, as helping the people keep focused? I, uh, uh, one of the things that, that I'm going to encourage people to do uh, this uh, season is, uh, and someone mentioned it earlier, just the, the theology that's contained in, in our traditional Advent hymns. Uh, it, it's uh, very rich and focuses our attention on our hope for salvation. I think of uh, the um, that hymn, uh, Creator of the Stars of Night, uh, 7th century Latin hymn, it's unknown who wrote it, but uh, just even in that first paragraph which I have before me, the first stanza, Creator of the Stars of Night, thy people's everlasting light, Jesus, Redeemer, save us all, and hear thy servants when they call. Uh, it's just a beautiful reference to who is the creator of the stars of night, that is the, the Word, uh, the Word made flesh, uh, which we hear about in the prologue of John's Gospel, who is uh, light itself, as we hear about in the book of Revelation, where the light from heaven doesn't come from anywhere. The light is Jesus Christ. And uh, then we we beg the Lord to hear us 
uh, in the midst of our own sin and suffering and struggle so that one day we might be able to experience that in its fullness. That is the joy, the hope, and the anticipation, ultimately, of the season of Advent. We're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll continue the theme of Advent and how we enter into this season in a deeper way, knowing that it is in many ways a a mini-retreat. to the Bishop of Vickers, we're speaking about the season of Advent as it leads us into Christmas and some of the things we had talked about. The season in which we are in, which takes over in a shopping season, we know a lot of that and uh, the the pressures to um, keep up and to get families together, but are we losing the, the purpose of these days, this mini retreat where we are in the quiet and the longing to seek the hope of Christ our Savior. Uh, in the time when we, prior to this taping of the show, we know that there was the highest price ever paid for an artwork, and um, it was uh, $450.3 million uh, for a work allegedly be authentic of Jesus. And it is this season when we are preparing for the birth of Jesus, and we have this for free, but yet is Jesus our Savior. Uh, in our parishes, we spoke about the customs, the traditions, and what we hopefully do in our home. Is there any way outside of the religious circles, here we have uh, a secular art auction, and Jesus is the the treasure, the price, the pearl of the price, so to speak. But in, our, in the secular world in which we live, and so much of the culture we speak about that, is there a way where we've seen... Um, Messages of Christ, uh, preparation for Advent, a favorite Advent film, uh, um, a, a movie leading up to Christmas, something, uh, uh, Father, me, you had mentioned at the break about Ben-Hur. Maybe for our listening audience, a little bit on the younger side, who saw the latest version of Ben-Hur, which did not do as well as the classic Ben-Hur, which starred, was it Sid Caesar was in it? Who was the lead role? Because, Charlton Heston. Okay, Chuck, yeah. Chuck. Pl- Planet of the Apes. But Great. he's Moses. Well, I guess why I would say that, I'd say Ben-Hur, and again, it would be that one from 1956 or whenever it was done. But it's interesting because Ben-Hur is the title we remember, but if you, at least in the original again, beneath it is a subtitle, which is the story of the Christ. But interesting, uh, so Ben-Hur is the story of the Christ, but the only time that Christ ever uh, is even alluded to, or for the most part, is the movie begins with the birth of Christ, and it concludes with the crucifixion of Christ. And in between all of that is simply the story and the conversion story of this man named Ben-Hur. So uh, I think it's a without being a religious film as such, it's a very powerful film in as far as Christ is always... uh, just behind the scene, you could say, and that's always good for us to remember. Um, the Christ, his birth, his death, his resurrection is uh, not always visible to us, but it is always that which is powering our own conversion. So, yes, I, I love that movie, and there's a lot of violence in it. <laughs> so the movies that come to us uh, through television in the season of Advent are generally Christmas type mm-hmm. of movies. So we think of It's a Wonderful Life and what was the one you mentioned earlier, Christmas Carol with Scrooge and so forth. Uh, but we can look at those things and through our 
Advent eyes, put a spin on them to truly see messages of Advent in them in terms of preparing and, and hopes fulfilled and so forth. And the movie that comes to my mind that's, uh, it can be, uh, uh, spun that way is the uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You mentioned that earlier, Bishop, but where'd that come from? What store? But Montgomery Ward. The, the, so the movie obviously has some classic lines in the movie. You know, Herbie wants to be a dentist. Mm -hmm. Who could ever forget that? And Bumble's Bounce. Mm -hmm. But uh, the other is we're on the island of misfit toys. And uh, I thought I was, but yeah, so we one. basically are. Chancery. We, we like, <laughs> some of us are more misfit than others, but at any rate, to one in one way, shape, or form, we're all misfit in this, and, and we know there's uh, something missing in our lives, that we have a longing for fulfillment, for wholeness, and that's where we see Christ uh, filling, in, filling in that place. And so as those island of misfit toys, the toys waited for Santa to come and brought joy to their lives, we are people who, who yeah. are waiting Christ to come. And so. That's very practical. Father Connell, any favorite movie you had uh, outside of Planet of the Apes with Charlton Heston? Um, Christmas. My uh, one of my, I really liked as a kid all of the the, the cartoons and and Christmas specials that were on uh, this time of the year. But one of my favorites was the Grinch that stole Christmas. And um, as we know, if you will remember that the, the story uh, is about the Grinch who's irritated by all of the people living in Whoville uh, because they at Christmas time they'd be so excited and create all kinds of noise that bothered him. And so he decided to uh, dress up like uh, Santa Claus and go down and he stole all their presents and their food and their lights and everything, hoping that they would steal Christmas. And it turns out on Christmas Day, they all came out and joined hands and sing and uh, were all excited. And uh, in the story... Uh, we hear this, uh, and the Grinch with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. Now for a kid, that's a pretty important message uh, with all the boxes and tags and bows that we're swimming in this time of the year. So that's Good. that's what I liked. Mine would probably be um, a scene from Trouble with the Angels, but we're out of time, and I'm going to conclude with a, an Advent prayer and, again, ask our listening audience to pray for our diocese as we pray for you. Oh, Jesus, you are descended from Jesse. You are a sign of God's hope. I feel hopeful and expectant, filled with the rebirth of joy and love. I depend upon you so much. You are a rock for my belief and a sign of God's love. Fill me with your praise. I want to sing your glory, filled with joy for the message of hope you send. I don't always understand when you are acting on my behalf. Thank you for the message of hope you send me. Give me true faith and love as I celebrate the mystery of how you came to be with us. O come, O come, Emmanuel.